Amber and Amanda here. We'd like to introduce you to the newest podcast, Article 15, produced by Veterans Drinking Vodka Production and hosted by our good friend, Ryan Brazel. Article 15 is attempting to bring both awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. Ryan speaks with everyday veterans with everyday issues for veterans acclimated back into civilian life. New episodes are released every Friday. Check it out and don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Amber, what are you drinking today? Amanda? I'm on day 21. Day 21. Water. I'm so proud of you. Like every time you tell me that you are one day further into your dry out, I just am so proud of you. I'm proud of me too, but I appreciate that other people are proud of me. It's tough. I mean, it's not that it's been hard as far as not drinking, but it's like, that was something that I did Mm -hmm. and now I'm not. Your identity. And now you're trying to figure out how to live without it. Just for a little while. Not forever. What are you drinking? Well, I am not on a dry out. So I am drinking sweet tea vodka with lemonade. So it's a, lovely boozy Arnold Palmer. Um what brand is that vodka? It's some handcrafted like local stuff. It was a gift and it's delicious. So I will buy it again. Well I'm gonna need to invest too. Yeah I'll take a picture and send it to you. Okay. It doesn't it's just called like Southern style sweet tea handcrafted vodka works for me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not fancy. (laughs) This is fancy stuff though like it was a gift from oh, my cousin and he doesn't maybe buy it's too, it. Maybe it's too bougie for me then. It might be, but it's smooth. Like you don't even feel like you're drinking vodka. Like That's it tastes just like Arnold Palmer. You should be on the golf course sipping this for sure. That's the best. Yeah. Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell it. We have found that being a service member can be so fun. And so easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Juan Garcia. He served in the United States Marine Corps from 2001 to 2009 as a water purifier. I cannot wait to hear how much water he purified. How are you doing today, Juan? And what are you drinking? What's going on, ladies? Sergeant G here from the Stone Vet, man. Thank you for you guys letting me come on your show and crash the party a little bit. Man, so tonight I'm drinking some coffee, editing episode after episode after episode, getting ready for the Stone Vet and Veteran Trash Talk community. Yeah, man, what an honor to be with you guys. I'm glad I was able to catch up with you guys and be like, hey, what you doing, man? Let's get something going together, man. (laughs) This is what it's about. The veteran community growing each other, helping each other grow. This is what we do is try to help support each other any way we can, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My last drink was January 5th. Thank you. I'll be drinking again April 1st. April 1st. You're going to start again April 1st. Now, what's the dry out for? Well, I I honestly thought that 30 pack every other day was making me fat. And it it wasn't that. However, I've started this journey and I'm not going to give up, especially because someone told me I couldn't do it. So fuck you. And I'm going to do it. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was not her. She, I am. Um, I that's did a veteran last summer. So yeah, okay, that's a I'm proud of her though. She's tells you can't holding do it. strong. She's on that dry yeah. out and she's going to stay dry until April 1st. Yes. They good. Congratulations. It's tough. You know, I mean, I'm not a bit, I don't, I haven't drank since I got out in 2009. I, I've been dry. So, you know, every now and then I'll have a beer maybe or my anniversary dinner. I'll have, a, you know, an old school or something, but nothing like it. That's awesome. I hate the feeling. I hate the feeling. Yeah. You know, so when I found my buddy back here, when I found my plant and I found what it could do for me, I wake up feeling a whole lot better than with a hangover. Oh, yeah. I know that. Oh, yeah. I'm such the opposite. That like, is, uh... I don't get hangovers from drinking I don't know if it's something in my body chemistry or whatever but like I can binge all day and like be good the next day like I'm up at five o'clock in the morning like baking cakes and shit 
So like, Damn, well then you're lucky. One of the lucky ones then you're one of the lucky ones. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't even tell you the last time I had a hangover. They get turned off when they see the title of stone vet USMC, but I stress to people, man, do you research? I'm going to feed you a lot of stuff, but don't trust me. Cause I don't want, I don't want you to think of me like mainstream media. Mm-hmm. That I'm telling you all the truth. Go and do your research and make sure that I'm speaking somewhat truth whenever yeah. I start talking about the cannabis plant, man. But yeah. yeah, I spent I spent nine years in the Marine Corps, my joyous, wonderful Marine Corps. You know, the best branch in the entire freaking service. You guys know what it is. You know, I'm about. not even gonna deny like cheers to the Marine Corps. Cheers I'm not even gonna argue with you. There's no argument from me. Mm-mm. They also have the best looking uniforms. True story. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I've had an Air Force guy stress to me that his uniform was the best looking uniform. I said, you're a lot of damn I said, man, I could put any goofy ass looking PFC in the uniform and I guarantee he's going to pull woman left and right. He could be the goofiest looking dude, but he put on them dress blues, dude. Everybody going to stop and look at him. They're going to know He's, he's going to be a showstopper. It don't matter what he looked like before that uniform. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what we always stress about. Even my wife's the same way. She's like, it don't matter how ugly or how stupid you look, you put on the dress blues, game over. Oh, dude. Like yeah. it's, it's plain and simple, you know. Game over. Plain and simple, man. Yeah, I was in there for nine years. I was a a water purifier. That's what they sent me to school for. <laughs> I so love the quotation. I didn't, I didn't join the Marine Corps to be a water purifier at all. <laughs> I joined the Marine Corps to be a bulk fueler. My recruiter said he was a bulk fueler. I was like, that'd be cool because I can get out and I can come back and fill up airplanes at the local airport, right? I can go to the airport and fill up planes, right? How hard can that be? <laughs> nope. I went to I went to a boot camp. Then I went to uh, combat training. And I, when, they, when you graduate combat training is when they tell you, hey, your MOS is going to be so-and-so. They told me, hey, you're going to go to Aberdeen Proving Grounds, Maryland. You're going to be HVAC. I was like, oh, sweet. Even better. I get a good <laughs> job in the HVAC field. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hell no! I spent oh. I spent two weeks there before school started, and the commander pulled me in the office. He said, "You're too stupid for this school." He sent me down to Courthouse Bay, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I was like, "Holy shit!" I said, oh, "What am I gonna Carolina. do?" I said, "You go purify water." I said, "Motherfucker, dude!" <laughs> I said, "All right." So I went to I went to school. I went to school to purify water, but then you know when you graduate school, they tell you where do you want to go. And for the Marine Corps, you got three duty stations: East Coast, West Coast, or overseas. Plain and simple. You go to East Coast, you go to yeah. North Camp Lejeune. You go West Coast, you go to Camp Pendleton. Or you go to Okinawa, Japan. I was 17 years old. I think I just turned 18. I think I had my 18th birthday in school. I asked the instructor. My wife was still in school. She was still in, she was still in high school. when I, I mean, we've been together for 21 years coming up. Bless and so heart. I asked the she was still in high school trying to finish up high school and stuff. And I was like, what do you recommend, dude? Where do you recommend that I go? He said, honestly, if I was you, I'd go to Okinawa because if you only do four years, they can fuck you and send you to Okinawa your last year of service. I was like, oh, fuck that. I don't want that because I'm going to have my wife with me then. She's not with me now because she's in school. I was like, all right. So I told my wife, I called her up. I said, hey, I'm going to Okinawa for a year. She's like, what? I said, you're still in high school. They told me if I don't go now, they'll send me my last year. And I said, knowing him, he was probably right. 90% truth that they'll send you your last year's service. And if you guys know, if you guys, a lot of people who get out and they're stationed in Germany or fucking England or somewhere and they get out, they got to fly them back to the U.S., but there's nobody here to catch you. Like they're flying you back home. You know, right. there's nobody to catch you and say, hey, uh, welcome back or anything, you know? And she's like, all right, well, then just go to Okinawa then. And so she was still in high school. She still had to finish up high school. She was still finishing up high school. And I was like, <laughs> That's so was funny. Like, That's so funny. You know? And I saw, I was like, i tell you what. That was probably the best choice I ever made. The best decision I made while serving the was going to Okinawa my first year in. I absolutely loved it. When I got there, they had lifted the Cinderella clause. There was no Cinderella clause. So we were able to go out and do whatever the hell we wanted, as long as we wanted. After that one year, when my when my year rotation was coming up to go back to the stateside, there's like fuck y'all, y'all getting Cinderella claws back. We can't do this shit no more. You guys destroyed the city. I said, <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> I, I said when I got my sergeant's climbing balconies to go take a piss, he's climbing balconies. His ass got locked up for freaking freaking burglar burglar burglarizing 
freaking apartments trying to find a restroom. I said, why do you just piss in the street like everybody else? I had to find a restroom. So he tried, he was scaling the freaking balconies trying to find an apartment that was open. So he could take a piss. I was like, you dumbass, dude. Like, I swear. And he was a good sergeant. Like, he was he was on top of his shit. He, he knew what he was doing. Don't let his ass get drunk. And he was an idiot. <laughs> I feel like that's a theme in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Trust me. I think that's why I don't drink anymore because I drank so much while I was in the Marine Corps. It was freaking insane. As much as I drank, I mean, I must have drank a case a night easily. Easily. You know, it's drink a 30 like you, like you, Amber, drinking a 30 pack a day, like for nothing, for no reason. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. I've had I've had plenty of run-ins. My wife has had to save me a few times. I mean, it's been it's been a it was a nightmare while serving while serving in the court. But that's probably why I don't drink anymore. I think that's probably one of the main reasons I don't drink anymore. That could be a big part of it. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters. Juan, can you tell us where you're from and kind of why you decided to join the Marine Corps? So I live in Oklahoma, man. I didn't. I had a horrible upbringing. My parents divorced, and I needed a way out. Like anybody else that joins the military, they need a way out. I ain't got nothing going for me. Parents ain't got no money. I didn't inherit them. I didn't inherit any money. Shit, I think when my parents die, I'm gonna freaking lose money. I'm about to pay some debt off for them or some shit. I, I swear to you, you know. But I needed a way out. Me and my wife, we had a horrible upbringing. My wife, she grew up in the system, foster care system. And I was like, we need a way out. We have got to get out of the situation that we're in. We have to, plain and simple. And I didn't have no money. You know what I'm saying? I worked at a measly grocery store making eight bucks an hour, nine bucks an hour. That wasn't going to do anything. And the only way out, like everybody else is like, join the military. They'll get you out. They'll take you wherever you want to go. And they'll give you they'll give you a decent salary. They're not. I mean, it's, it's more money than I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, until now. But that's that's why that's why I joined the military so I can get out of where I was at, like everybody else. You know, but the sad part is I came back. <laughs> I came back to see everybody, and everybody's still where they were at when I left them back in two thousand and one. Yeah, they're still doing the same things they were doing for whatever reason. I don't understand it, but they're still doing the same things they were doing yeah. then. Like know? a time warp. Same thing with me. I know that if I go back home to you know? New York, everyone is still there and everyone is still doing the same things that they were doing when I left. And this was 2004, 17 years later, and they're all still doing the same yep. shit. Still. Same shit. Same shit. Different God, 17 years ago, I joined the fucking Navy. Holy what? shit. I work for the federal government. They just gave me my 20 year pin for working for the federal government. <laughs> Uh, it's not cheers cheers to your 20 year pen 20 years 20 years and i said 20 years and i said what the hell am i doing with my life <laughs> i still can't retire <laughs> 20 years and i still can't retire oh brutal so after okinawa what were your other duty stations and which one was your favorite uh let's see here so after i left okinawa they said you want to go swing with the wing i said why not man i've been working with fucking maintenance forever for the past year and i got to my feet wet you know i got my feet in the maintenance so going in okinawa remember I, I went to school to be a water purifier i went to okinawa and i was replacing diesel engines out of generators <laughs> I didn't touch water once the whole year I was there. It was all about replacing diesel engines, massive diesel engines. These huge, I'd spent 18 hours in the middle of a freaking engine, just destroying it and putting it back together all day long for 18 hours. I was like, let's go swing with the wing. Maybe I'll have a little bit easier life. I'm tired. You know, I'm tired of freaking busting my knuckles and going there, going to, I went to new river, North Carolina. I went to go swing with the wing in new river, North Carolina. I spent four years out there. Them motherfuckers deployed me twice to Iraq. I was like, fuck, dude. I thought I came to the wing to hang out and chill for a little bit. You know, I got to New River and my chief comes up to me and he's like, you came from maintenance battalion. I said, yes, sir. I spent a year in maintenance. He's like, you're going to be my new quality control chief. I was like, I'm an E3. What do you mean? He's like, nobody here has any maintenance background. You're the only guy in our section with any type of maintenance background and i need you to perform all second echelon maintenance i was like what the hell is second echelon maintenance i'm coming from third fourth echelon like 
you tear the engine out, you completely destroy the engine and you put it back together and you put it back in the freaking generator. He's like, no, you just have to look at the generator, see what's wrong with it. And then you send it to the third echelon. And I said, I don't want to send it to somebody else. If I know how to fix it, why do I want to send it to somebody else to fix if I know how to fix it? Because you can't do that here. I was like, Shit. Okay. So as an E3, they made me in charge of maintenance and I never purified water. I got to hang out with the guys who purified water. And they would go, we'd go to the field, they'd purify water. But hey, hey, Lance Corporal, Lance Corporal Garcia, uh, there, something's wrong with this. I have to go over there and look at it and say, oh, this was wrong with it. You didn't do this shit. You fucking forgot to put this in there. You forgot to run this and you didn't run this right. Oh, okay. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. So I'd go fix it for them and I'd go on and do go about more ma- maintenance. I never <laughs> purified water once that I served in the Marine Corps, man. I spent four years there. They deployed my ass to Iraq back in 03 for the invasion. I came home and they deployed me back in 05. I was like, son of a bitch, dude. I got to, I re-enlisted so I could leave because one of the incentives in the Marine Corps, you re-enlist, you get to your choice of duty station. I was trying to go down to Texas. I was trying to go to JRB there in Texas, Dallas, Texas. They said, nope, there's no openings. There's no openings. Everyone wants to come to Fort Worth. I was going to get out. I was going to get out in Texas and claim residency in Texas. You know, and I told my wife, I got back from Iraq the second time. They're like, you got to leave. You've been here too long. I said, no shit. I re-enlisted to get out of here, you know, and you guys won't let me go anywhere. And I told my wife, I said, hey, sweetheart, we can't go to Dallas. Where do you want to go? She's like, let's go to Hawaii. I said, you hear about people going to Hawaii, but you never go to Hawaii. You always hear about those Marines that go to Hawaii. And they're, they're usually grunts. They're usually O3s that go to Hawaii, but not engineers. They don't ever go to Hawaii. And so my chief apparently knew the monitor, the guy that stations Marines where they need to be stationed. And he's like, hey, Hawaii just opened up. I said, for real? He's like, you want to go? I was like, fucking sign me up, dude. He's like, I got to extend you another year in your contract. I said, I don't give a fuck, dude. I just got back from Iraq for the second time. Do whatever you got to do. My wife wants to go to Hawaii. We're going to Hawaii. And sure as shit, they extend my contract for another year. And I spent three years in Hawaii. Beautiful place. Good. <laughs> ain't been i definitely recommend going you know you get you get lost in an island after a while it's like it's an island i can only go so far i can only drive so (laughs) far i can only see so much but it's a beautiful place it's an absolutely beautiful place there in hawaii man i like hawaii well yeah like i said okinawa probably have to be my favorite duty station because i was by myself and i was able to do whatever the hell i wanted to do and i was only 18 years old (laughs) japan is definitely on my uh, bucket list I, I think every Marine that I have talked to that has been to Japan, like every, every story I hear from anyone who's been there, like increases my want to go there. <laughs> yeah. I've known quite a few people that got stationed over in Japan. I was never one of them, but I've heard it's the no, place. Oh man. It was beautiful. It, it, Japan was beautiful. It was beautiful too. It was a nice place. A very beautiful place too. So out of all of those places that you got to go in the Marine Corps, which one was your favorite? You said Japan. I'd probably have to say Okinawa because Okinawa. I was by myself. Okinawa because I was by myself. My wife was still here and I was able to act a fool and do whatever the hell I wanted to do and didn't have to report to anybody <laughs> after I got off work. It's not even just that your wife was still here. She was still in high school. <laughs> she was still in high school. Like I said, we got together young. I've been with her since she was 16 and I was 17. So yeah, yeah. I mean, she was I love that high story. school. She's been a blessing. She's been a blessing. She's been my blessing this whole time. Without her, man, I'd be lost. Like nobody's business. It's insane how lost I would be without her. Yeah, absolutely. So can you give us a sea story from your time in the service? A sea story, man. I don't even know. There's so many stories that I don't even know. Man, I've had so many, so much shit happen to me that I don't even know which one to even be to well, talk about. The one most, of your man. favorites had- because Marines have the best stories. So you're competing with some of the greats on your story. Oh, yeah. I know, man. So- <laughs> They, they, there's some good stories out there, man. You get some, you get some crazy shit out there, man. There's, there's time. I remember there was one time I was when I was in Okinawa, we're in the middle of a typhoon, and we were like, I got to get out of this barracks. And sure enough, the E Club. I don't know if you, that's what you guys call in the Navy, the E Club, yep. where everybody goes, right? Yep. And so I went out to the E Club. We're like, let's go to the fucking E Club and go fucking. We got drunk because I was underage, and so we got drunk in the barracks, like everybody else does. Got drunk yeah. in the barracks and we walked our ass down to the E-Club. It wasn't raining at the time, but sure enough, as soon as that bitch was closing, it was pouring down rain. It got to a point where I was hanging onto a pole. Well, whenever they're in the typhoon, they say you got to wear your flag jacket and your Cavalier if you go outside just to protect yourself. So I'm all dressed up. 
And I got my flag jacket and my Kevlar on, right? I got my clothes on to go to the club, but I got a flag jacket and a Kevlar to protect myself. They wanted me to protect myself, right? They said, go, you got to protect yourself because the typhoon is right here. And we don't know when it's going to hit, but you got to make sure because when a typhoon, if you ain't never been in the middle of a typhoon, oh my gosh, like <laughs> that's more water than you've ever seen from every angle. You know, when they said in Forrest Gump, he was like, it rained so much. It rained from underneath us. It rained from the side of us, you know? There I was like, we got out of the club and sure as shit, I was walking. And I was like, fuck, this wind is picking up. And sure as shit, I grabbed a pole and the fucking wind picked me up off the ground. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, this is bullshit. All I want to do is get back to my room now. That's all I want to do. So the wind's blowing. I'm sitting there hanging out of this pole. I was like, get the fuck out of here. And so I luckily, one of my Marines came and grabbed me and got, got me in a cab. He's like, let's go. Let's get the hell out of here, dude. This wind is crazy. Rain everywhere. Wind is just blowing. Branches are just flying off the trees. I'm just like, holy shit, dude. Are you kidding? Well, a typhoon doesn't doesn't uh, compare to a tor- or a tornado doesn't compare to a typhoon then. No, no, a tornado way different. That's all wind, dude. Yeah, yeah that's fucking that tight. Here in Oklahoma, I live right here close to Tornado Alley, dude. Like the last one. Yeah, you're right there. Through, yeah, I'm right here. Like one, the one that that tore through more. I'm I'm two miles south of there. Oh, and it just lucky. ripped through. My, my my wife was here at the house, and she was like, "That sounded like a freight train coming through." I was like, "Golly!" And it just tore. It ripped the town completely in half. I mean, it, it's in history books now. Yeah, it's definitely different. Tornadoes and typhoons definitely two two different things, two different monsters. Typhoon, I can tolerate. You can deal with that. You know, it's a lot of rain, but I mean, you can if the drainage system is done right, you'd be all right. But tornado, hell no, you ain't beating that at all. You know, gotta love a good tornado and a typhoon. Right. <laughs> absolutely. They're both unpredictable. <laughs> very, very unpredictable. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Juan. So as much fun as we have on active duty and as you had in the Marine Corps, eventually you do have to get out of the service. How was your transition from being active duty to being a civilian or a veteran? That's what sucks the most, man. I tell you what, that's probably the hardest transition that any of us have to make when we leave active duty. You leave active duty, man. You have your brotherhood. You have that camaraderie. When you get out, dude, it's gone. You know, it's it sucks when you have to transition to the civilian workforce and try to make a job, make a living. If you don't, if you've never been like an entrepreneur, I mean, a lot of us veterans are becoming entrepreneurs now. A lot of us are. Yeah, it's almost required because we have such a hard time in the civilian workforce. Absolutely. Working for other people, working with other people that don't understand our concept and our mindset of why we think the way we think. It's hard to work with them because a lot of them are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you doing it that way? Well, because that's the right way to do it. You know, that's how we see it. It's the right way to do it. It needs to be done that way. And so you'll see a lot of like, especially right now during COVID and everything that's going on, there's a lot of veterans out there starting small businesses, doing something one one form or the other. You know, I got one guy that's doing Leatherworks right now. He's MKB Leatherworks. He's going right now. I've got Oak Place. She's a Marine. She's a jarhead as well. She's doing cool Chevron shadow boxes. If you go over to Veteran Referring Veterans, he has a huge community of veteran businesses on his website that he supports. People, veterans are like, I'm going to do it on my own. Like, I don't need anybody else to help me. Like, I need to do this and I can't work for a civilian. I can't work for civilians. Like, it's hard. It really, the transition is so hard because nobody teaches you, hey, this is what you need to expect when you get out of service, serving active duty. So the transition is still tough. I mean, I still work for the federal government as a government employee and it sucks. It sucks every day. Like last year was a hard year for me. Like I almost punched the super, my supervisor in the mouth, both both my supervisors in the mouth because I was like, I'm, I just can't tolerate you. I can't tolerate your ignorance right now. Like you want to get hurt. And that's what required me to go find counseling and go find a psychiatrist to prescribe me some pharmaceuticals that I hate so much, you know? And so the transition, man, it's tough. That's the hard, that's one of the hardest things transitioning out of active duty into the civilian workforce to try to find your niche. Some people are people, people, some people are people. They, they enjoy being around people all the time. You know, I enjoy people to an extent, but mostly if you ain't never served in the military or you ain't never done, you don't, you don't, you're not a police officer or a firefighter or anything like that. I'm not going to spend my time talking to you because you can't relate to the same, my, to the understanding that I'm dealing with, to the shit I'm dealing with on a regular basis. You know, that's true. Very true. I briefly worked in a law office and I was always, I'm not going to say in trouble because the attorneys thought I was really cool and they were the ones that were responsible for paying my check. But the ladies that I had to work with, 
on a like administrative and paralegal level were they weren't very big fans of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different concept. It's a yeah, different mindset. I'd be, like, I'd be like, you messed it up, fix it. And they'd be looking at me like, what? <laughs> right. And then they tell the attorneys that I was mean. And that I would be like, y'all haven't even seen mean. They ain't even started yet, right? Like, like I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm still on like PG level, maybe even <laughs> Like, <laughs> like these girls don't even know. Absolutely. And the attorneys would be like, Amanda, we get it. But like, you have to be nice. And then I just look at them like, but do I? <laughs> y- y'all might end up firing me. Like, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right job for me. Right. No, absolutely. That's the, that's the toughest part, man. It's trying to find your niche, trying to figure out, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people have good places. They're able, depending on what your job was, while you were serving, you may have been able to write your resume to be able to accommodate you. Like over like the broken jar head, I, like I said, he'll be out this Friday on the stone vet. And he, he was an Intel, he did signals intelligence. And so he was able to get out and he's got him a good ass job in DC and doing, doing his thing, you know, but a lot of us aren't fortunate enough to have a job that transitions into the civilian sector, you know? Yeah. And it's, we, well, ours it's, did. Ours did. I mean, mm-hmm. We were air traffic controllers. So we had that if we were going to be air traffic controllers when we got out. Yeah. Right. You know what though? Like it, it did translate into, I was able to pick up a job with the railroad when I got out because I was an air traffic controller. And so that helped a lot too, but I was still in that like, daily grind of 24 seven transportation and yeah. so it didn't allow me to deal with any of my issues until I left the railroad because I was still in that same mindset I was still in that same grind like it was really just an extension of my time in the military because railroaders are rough too and but yeah absolutely I left the rough world of the military and I went into the rough world of the railroad world or the railroad industry and fit in perfectly like these dudes couldn't believe like how tough of a chick I was. And I'm like, well, I was not only in the military as an air traffic controller and those guys are assholes. So if you want to be an asshole, <laughs> I can deal with it. But my issue started when I left the railroad mostly because then I had to deal with like civilians. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is not going to go anywhere good <laughs> ever. Yeah. And it's, it sucks. I think that's the hardest <laughs> thing is transitioning and was working with civilians. That's the, I mean, because like I said, some of these people, they've been doing this job, they've been doing their job for 20, 30 years or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And that's and the only job they've any, ever known. That's the only thing they've ever learned. That's the only thing they've ever known their entire life. And I mean, you can't knock them like, oh, congratulations, dude. Yeah. And I went and did something, people, you know, I went and did something for a couple of years and I came out to try to live in this crazy ass world we live in and what what now it's you hard know? Too because a lot of those people grew up in we'll use dallas for an example because amber and i are close to dallas like they grew up in dallas their families in dallas they got a job in dallas they got the government job in dallas they've worked in the government job since they were you know in their early 20s maybe they went to college maybe they didn't who knows but they've never left they've never experienced anything outside of their little like bubble of dallas and close family and one job their entire lives. And so when you get a job in that environment coming out of a military career where you've traveled the world, you've seen bad things, you have dark and twisties, like you don't put up with bullshit, like you expect things to be done the right way the first time because that's all you've ever known. You're looking at these people like, how are you even trying to tell me what to do right now? Absolutely. Like, what do you know? And it's not their fault. Like they're comfortable in that life, but we're not comfortable being around them. No. Yeah, absolutely. And me, me working for the air force, I work for the air force and I have guys that they hire that are retired air force people. And I look at them and they come in and they pay these guys more than they pay me. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? I was like, one guy had a college degree. I said, all right, you got a college degree. I, you deserve it. They brought a guy off the street with no experience and they gave him my promotion. I was like, you motherfuckers dude you sons of bitches and that's what heated me up you know it heated me up i was like you sorry i was like you know the sad part is that i can train everybody in this office to do their job and i can show them everybody they need to talk to on how to ensure that they have the proper resources to function at 100 percent. but i'm not doing it i won't do it and so that my new year resolution was like not to stress out about work just go in. You don't want to pay me what what I what I deserve to be paid. You don't want to pay me that. All right, I'll do the work that you are paying me to do. Then I'm not. I'm no, I've been in the office for three years now. 
I've saved this office multiple times from being written up. This is bullshit, but you know what? Fine. And then now, now, now my office is pissed at me. They're like, this is bullshit. You don't ever have to come in. I said, nope. I never have to come back into the office again. I said, I work for you guys. I work with you guys, but I never have to come back in the office ever again because the boss will not allow me back into the office because I smoke weed. Mm -hmm. I said, that's fine. I said, as soon as they federally legalize this, I'm going to smoke. The day they go through and they pass the thing saying it is federally legal for cannabis, I'm going to roll me a fat blunt and I'm going to smoke and sit in peace. And I might even do an episode. And just sit back and just smoke a <laughs> fat ass blunt. I might go. not even have anybody on the show. I just might be sitting here just ranting and smoking and not even caring. <laughs> and when I said, it's going to happen. And they say, well, you got to come in for a drug test. I don't give a fuck because it's federally legal now. Mm-hmm. It's federally legal. I don't care. <laughs> like I am legal in my state. I know in Texas, we're working right now to get you guys legal as well. Yeah, to get you we're at not least there yet, but we're getting there. State, you know? But I love cannabis. I absolutely love cannabis because it's changed my life. It helps with so much, so many ailments that I deal with, with my anxiety, my depression, my pain, neck pain, back pain, knee pain, everything that the Marine Corps gave me. It it helps it. It helps me. So I don't have to get on pharmaceuticals. I hate the pharmaceuticals that they continue giving me. And I'm like this, it helps so much. But I tell people, you have to do research. You have to ensure you're smoking the right strains. You have to make sure you're getting the medicinal benefit out of it. Like anything else you can you're not smoking to get high. You're not smoking to get stoned. You're smoking because of what it is helping you be able to cope with and deal with, especially like the pain, chronic, the chronic pain, the knee pain, the back pain, those things, or the, even the anxiety, like a lot of people look at, Oh, you're going to smoke pot to get high. No, I'm going to smoke pot because my knees hurt so fucking bad every day. And this shit that I have is going to take away that pain. So that I don't have to sit around because it hurts so bad, or I don't have to have surgery because, or take the pharmaceuticals. I can smoke this and it helps with that. I'm not smoking to get stoned. I'm smoking to relieve pain. Absolutely. I said, you guys are pissed because it's a plant. I said, working for the federal government, you're able to go out and you can have up to four beers at lunch. I said, but God forbid I go smoke me a joint, tolerate your bullshit for the next four hours. Yeah. You know, like this is fucking ridiculous, but okay. I said, I'll play your game. But I said, I've got, I got my brother over in California right now. He's a Brian Buckley with Hellman Valley grow company. He's actually got a huge research project going on right now showing the benefits of medicinal cannabis. He's got hundreds of doctors working with him to do the study and he's getting all the documentation required to go to Congress to show them the medical benefits, the medicinal benefits of cannabis. That's awesome. He's doing some awesome things. He is doing some freaking awesome things. And I was like, anything you need, brother, you let me know and I will support you in any way that I can so that we can push this to Congress to get it legalized. But yeah. now that the Democrats own everything, it'll be le- I think it'll be legalized within the next six months. I think in the yeah, next six months, they're going to vote on it. Because they can tax the shit out of it and they're going to make more money in their pockets. Like, seriously, it's all that's all they care about is making money. Yep. Yep. I know right now to go, I mean, to go to the dispensary in Illinois, it's like the tax on it, it's like 30% um, state and like 10% for something else. Like, you're getting taxed at 40%. People want to bitch about their 8% state tax, sales tax shit. No, go to the dispensary in Illinois and where you want to buy something that's 25 bucks and it's really going to cost you 80 bucks. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, no. Here in Oklahoma, it's not bad. The taxes, I mean, the taxes are still high. Don't get me wrong. Everybody's got to make their money, but it's not, it's not bad. I, you know, every time I go in a dispensary, say I got a hundred bucks. That's work. That's work it out. I'll walk away with six or seven different strains of cannabis. And I was like, all right, we'll try this. And then I'll come back and whichever one I like, I'll come back and get more of it, you know, but I have my own private grower. He does his own private. He's, he is all organic. He is amazing. Now you can taste the difference in flour whenever somebody takes care of it and they grow it themselves. It's just like vegetables. Whenever you can taste the difference between a store-bought tomato and a homegrown tomato, you can taste the difference, you know? And with his flower, same way, you can taste the difference in the flour and the trichomes and the way. And like I tell people, a lot of people people don't believe in CBD anymore, you know? 
I've been glad the Stone Vet has been honored. It's an honor to be able to team up with Rafa 180. Rafa 180 specializes in medicinal grade CBD, you know. That big rush came through. CBD rush came through. I know Texas right now, you are seeing the rush right now with hemp right now. That's a big thing right now. Yeah, because it's not legal to have cannabis. Cannabis. So everyone's gone CBD. CBD, right. And you guys are getting a big rush right now. Yeah. Don't fall for it. People are there right now just to make their dollars so they can go on about their day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not mad at them. I'd capitalize on it too if I was in a position to right? do it. And that's what that's what I'm lucky enough to team up with Rafa 180. They did they they deal with medicinal grade CBD. They, here in Oklahoma, we have a we have a hospital called Mercy Hospital. I think there's like 80 different hospitals in the state, and it's on their pharmacy shelf. It's on the pharmacy shelf in Mercy Hospital here. And so it comes. We have our CBD is is processed in the only FDA regulated lab in the Midwest. Oh, that's awesome. And so what's great about it, like like I said, what's great about it is that. When when they're able to make an order, they go to the lab up the street and watch it being processed. They can watch every product being processed so they know what's in it. And what's great with CBD product, it has a QR code. And in the QR code, it tells you exactly how it's processed, which is amazing. It's an amazing product. You know what I'm saying? Here I in Oklahoma, the, the rush has come and gone here in Oklahoma with CBD. And a lot of people are like, oh, it don't work. It never helped me. It never did this. I said, it's because you didn't get a good product. When you don't get a good product, it doesn't help. I think what a lot of where the opposition comes with with cannabis or with CBD is that like versus the pharmaceutical side is you're not truly always knowing what's going in and the FDA approving this, that or the other. But can you tell me what all the ingredients are? Whereas if you when you go to the dispensary, they can tell you exactly what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And that and that's one another one of those things that like people don't understand is how pure and how much more organic smoke and pot for the medicinal medicinal reasons is you know and like like i said man i abuse cannabis don't get me wrong i've abused the shit out of cannabis i have done some stupid shit with cannabis i smoke to get high i like being high i like the shift change i like being stoned but i also know what it's doing for my body when i'm i usually i don't smoke until i'm in pain that's when i'm when i when i smoke but i enjoy the head shift and like i tell people when you can find a good cbd flower and a good thc flower and you can find that perfect blend it's like harmony it's almost euphoric because you know your anxieties down your depression's down and you are no longer in pain you feel like a normal human being you feel like a newborn baby like there's no pain you are not in pain anymore and i found it once and i was like this is the best feeling in the world i swear to you because there everything was gone the anxiety the depression the pain just stress everything was gone and it was just great feeling you know i I got to the point where i started taking artist oil oil rick simpson oil it's a very concentrated THC and we use it usually mostly for, you know, like cancer patients and stuff like that. I was using it because I was smoking too much flour and I couldn't get high no more. And I was like, let me switch over to freaking concentrate, more concentrate. Right. And that's a good high. Like I'll be high for like eight hours. No lie. I'd, I'd take a, a small drop under a small drop on the tongue, let it soak into my bloodstream. And I'd be high for like eight hours. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I yeah, but that's function. eight hours though of being able to function. To function, to go out and mow the yard and edge and weed eat and play with the kids. Right. And, you know, not to where I was on the bed, like drooling. No, I was so, able to right. function and get out and go and do stuff, you know. Yeah. Without being in pain, without having the anxiety, without having all of these things that are wrong with you, like that's gone for eight hours. Who who doesn't live their life like that though? Like if, if you could take away all of those things, why, why wouldn't it be something that you support? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And that's the biggest thing. It's because they couldn't make legislation. Couldn't make, you know, the politicians can't make money off it. And now they're figuring out, Oh, we can tax the shit out of it. And we can start lining our pockets. We'll probably make more money off it than what the pharmaceuticals are paying us right now. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. know. But I was like, you guys need to vote on it within the next six months because I'm ready to smoke me a fat blunt. It's been, I've been <laughs> I haven't smoked I haven't smoked in seven months now, and I'm fucking like this. You're ready, sucks, huh? This uh, like so you're on a, you're on a dry spell. You're on a dry spell till April. I've been on fucking dry spell since fucking June of last year. I'm so pissed right now. <laughs> so between your between your transition and the and 
the things that you're doing now, how are you doing as far as dealing with life as a veteran? What it, What is that like for you? It, I mean, it's tough. It's the one thing I always stress about on my show. If you go over to the Stone Vet USMC on YouTube, you'll see it every episode. I always talk about it. You have to build your community around you. Nobody understands you better than your own brothers and sisters. That's why I got you guys here with me, Amanda and Amber. You guys understand me. You're like, you're a fucking jarhead. He's fucking crazy. But you know what I'm saying? He's still my brother. You know, yeah, that's the biggest well, thing. So karate that's the biggest thing. neck for you. <laughs> right. And that's the biggest thing I stress to everybody is that you have to build your community around you. It's plain and simple. You have to do it. That's why I teamed up with Veteran Trash Talk. Veteran Trash Talk, I teamed up with them because the goal is the same as my goal as a stone vet, man, is to eliminate the 22 a day. You have to find your purpose. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest stress that you have to have is what's your purpose again? I ain't got Sergeant G telling me what to do anymore. When you were in service, you got told what to do every day. Monday right. through Friday, hell, even sometimes Saturday and Sunday, when you had to go to work, Sergeant G was there telling you, this is what you have to do today. This is what we need to get done. This is what we need to get accomplished because that was the mission, right? And it was 100% accountability all the time. Even when you weren't working, you still, you were, whether you were out there getting shit faced at the club, no, you don't have your uniform on, but you are still representing the military, you're still representing that. So there was always accountability 24 seven from the day you signed that dotted line until the day you had your DD 214. Absolutely. And that's what I always stress about is like, now, what do I do now? What's my purpose? That's why I started the stone vet USMC. That's why I started because that was my purpose. It's my therapy session to be able to come on here and be able to talk with another brother or sister is my therapy session. It helps me steer away from the pharmaceuticals that my psychiatrist continues giving me to deal with my anxiety and my depression. Depression sucks. We all know it. If you deployed, even if you didn't deploy, you guys deal with some type of depression. Everybody deals with depression. It sucks. Times get hard. Fuck, COVID's here. A lot of people have lost loved ones and wasn't able to see them when they passed. You know, where a lot of us are on lockdown and we can't go out. We can't get out and go mingle with our friends and family like we used to before this whole COVID thing happened. It sucks. The depression kicks in. But what are you doing? What's your purpose? What's your drive? How do you get out of your slump? And that's why I do my show. My show, I tell people, I say, hell, you ain't got to listen to it. Just turn it on in the background. Me personally, I got to have a TV on wherever I'm at. There's got to be some kind of background noise. I live in a house. I got six kids. So my house is always noisy. (laughs) From, From when I get up to when I go to bed, my house is always noisy. You know, so that, that's my noise. That's what keeps me going. But when it's quiet, my wife gets mad. She's like, why you got the TV on? What are you watching? I said, I ain't watching anything. It's just on because I need a background noise. Hell, every now and then I'll even turn on my own show just to have it on the background so I can listen to who, whoever I had on the show that week, you know, just because, yeah. hey, I need the views. I got to get the views, right? That's what we're here for. <laughs> We get the views. You got the subscribers over there. You hit the subscribe button, man. Maybe one day I can sit at home and do this all day, every day, you know, so I can provide you guys some great content, being able to hook up with, with other family members, with my family members, my sisters and my brothers and be able to just to shoot the shit on, you know, whatever night it is, a Friday night, a Tuesday night, whatever it is, man. The, di- the days get hard and it gets dark out there. You know, it gets dark fast. We're in the winter time. So it gets dark real early now, you know? The last things that we want is for you to be alone. We don't ever want you to, I don't ever want you to feel like you're alone because you're not. Nobody's always here for you. I have it. I have my Facebook group. If you're part of that family, I have a great family over there. It's not huge. I think I like 200 people in my group, but everybody knows everybody. Everybody talks to everybody. And that's what you need when it comes to a support system, you know? You know, I, I see people on TikTok. I got a TikTok. That's how I met you. That's how I saw you guys on TikTok. I was like, look at these guys, you know? I don't have a huge following on TikTok. I, I mean, I, I got like 1,700 people. No, we don't have people, that many. <laughs> Out of those 1,700 people? We can't even go live on TikTok, but the people <laughs> that follow us know who we are. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And so with me, I got like 1,700 followers, you know, and but out of those 1,700 followers, a vast majority, at least a 1,000 of them, they all talk to each other because they're all brothers and sisters. Yeah, they know right. what it's about. You know, that's, they know what it's about. You know, I had a brother, he... He blew up on there and I was like, motherfucker, dude. Like, but I was like, how many of those people are actually supporting you? Like doing what right. you like who is actually supporting you? And that's the that's my biggest thing. The, the quality versus the quantity. Absolutely. And that's the biggest right. thing. My wife stresses to me all the time. She's like, you have it good. She's like, you have a good following. You have a good community. 
And I was like, that's, and you know, she has, like I said, she's my lifesaver. Like she has to bring me back into reality and wake me up, slap me in the face and wake me up and say, you got it good. You know what I'm saying? Hell man, I'm going to a taco party this Saturday with the guy I brought on the show with Travis Johnson, man. He invited me to a taco party. I was like, Hell yeah, why not, dude? Let's do this, you know? Let someone invite me to a taco party. I'll be there. You know, I'm I'm going to a taco party this Saturday. I'm like, this is cool shit, you know? Like, But like you said, you got to build your community. That's my community. I've built my community because that's what's required. When you get out of service, you don't have the camaraderie no more. Plain and simple, you don't have it. You got to find it. You got to find it. You got to build it yourself because it's not just about you. You have to build it yourself. You have to build your community around you, man. And that's what I stress to everybody. Build your community around you because that's how you're going to be able to find out when the days get dark, you know who you can reach out to on a regular right. basis, you know? So speaking of reaching out, um, Mr. Garcia, I know you've mentioned it a couple of times. Give us a quick uh, plug of how anyone who's listening to our show can find you, reach out to you, hear your shit and uh, all the people that you've talked to. Oh, absolutely, guys. Like I said, man, she calling me Garcia. I go by Sarge of the Stone Vet, man. Every Friday, every Friday, I got an episode coming out on YouTube. Go to the Stone Vet USMC. Don't just don't go to YouTube and hit the Stone Vet. You're going to find a lot of Stone Vets on there. But if you go to the Stone Vet USMC, you'll find my ugly ass mug on there, man. Hell, you can even go to the, I've got it now where you can go to the Google search bar, punch in hashtag the Stone Vet USMC, and you'll find my ugly face. I'm going to go now. You got to work your community. You got to work around me. You can catch me on YouTube at the Stone Vet USMC. You can catch me on my Facebook group, the Stone Vet USMC. Hell, you can even go over to raffle180.com and catch me on there as well. I'm about to have some swag coming out here in the, couple, here in the coming months. I'm about to have some yeah. cool hats and some cool shirts coming out as we well, man. And, yes. you can act, and you can go to Smoking Bacon. Smoking Bacon, you can find my podcast there as well, man. And of course, all of this information will be in the show notes. Sergeant, hook it up so that Amanda can get it posted. So y'all don't even have to search; you can just click. That's right. Just you click, can find all right. his information. I'll send all that description notes. over there, so it's all Absolutely. a click away. You can reach and if anyone is interested in being a guest on his show, reach out to him and let him know if you want to tell your story and be part of what he's got going on. Absolutely, anybody. Yeah. This is what it's about is building your community. Our veteran community, we are small, but we are mighty. Yes, we there's are. a purpose Very and there's true. a reason. There's a purpose and there's a reason for every one of my brothers and sisters, regardless if you served one year or you served freaking 40 years. Yes. You have a purpose. Tell us the reason why. What is your purpose? Because your purpose may be able to help somebody else find their purpose. Yes. It's what it's about is supporting Cheers each other. To that. Cheers to yeah. the veteran community being small, but mighty. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is what it's about is supporting each other. It don't matter what branch of service you're in. I don't care. I know I was the best. Everybody knows I was the best, but Hey, you know what? I show the love to all of you guys because we all, I mean, we're the best too. We try to tell us something different. That's why we all raised our right hand and we said, you meet a veteran, they're going (laughs) to most likely have an alpha personality and it's weird that we all get along, but somehow we, (laughs) right. And we're the only ones allowed to talk shit to the Air Force and Coast Guard. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Come at me, bro. Come at me if you so, are so have a civilian day, and I'll tell you what, you'll have Navy and Marina, Marines and the Army on your asses because we can only pick on our little brothers and sisters. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there are we're, we're the only ones. Yeah, absolutely. And, we're the only ones on our little brothers to that scenario. Oh, yeah. Space, space Force. Force. Yeah, no one's going to pick on the Space Force. Are you kidding? <laughs> Space <laughs> All right, Amber, do you want to talk about the charity we've chosen to support this week? Sure. So on top of supporting and continuing to support Till the Hollow Project, which is 22 a day and their mission with that, we are also supporting the Fallen Outdoors, which is a veteran organized, veteran ran organization that takes veterans hunting and fishing across the entire country. They can be found at those guys, man. Yeah, they're badasses for sure. Yes. 
Yeah, uh, they, oh, I love those guys. Like I said, you come over to the Stone Vet. You come over to the Stone Vet, USMC. You'll see Battle 22 and Tackle 22, all part of the Fallen Outdoors, man. Yeah. I love those guys. Uh, yeah, they're doing awesome things for the community, man. For all you country people that like going out and killing yep. shit with your hands, man. I'm telling you. And you don't have to be anything other than a veteran. As long as you have your DD-214, they'll hook you up with with everything that they've got going on. So they're at the fallenoutdoors.org. And in order for us to support them, we have merch for sale and a portion of all of our merch goes, sales goes to Tilvahala Project and currently the Fallen Outdoors. And Amanda will have that link posted also where we have... Hoodies, long sleeve shirts, short sleeve shirts, tank tops, masks, coffee cups. And if you want a koozie or a sticker, you can reach out to Amanda and I. And where can they do that, Amanda? Well, you can find Amber and I directly if you would like to contact us for either a koozie, a sticker, or for really any reason, we will talk to any one of you. But we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Like Amanda said, you can reach out to us for any reason. We are both available to talk about anything. Or if you're interested in telling your story and would like to be a guest on our podcast, please send us an email or a direct message on any of the social media platforms. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Pandora, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. It helps with the algorithm in podcast world so that more veterans can find our podcast and more people can hear the stories that our veterans have to tell. We can also be found on YouTube at Veterans Drinking Vodka for exclusive uncut video footage. You can also join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom. We start that at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Absolutely. Juan, you would have a great time joining us in those. Oh my God. Yes. Talk and they like to talk. And I guess a lot of our networking, you could have a very positive impact on. Yes. Uh, Yeah. But Sunday nights, we are hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources and meeting new friends. We do have to put the disclaimer out there that while we do invite everyone, civilian, active duty or veteran, it is a veteran networking event and it is live and it is hosted on zoom so we don't know what's going to be talked about it can be very raw very uncut very interesting but we never know what definitely it's unfiltered unfiltered <laughs> for sure there is nothing politically correct on there either Mm-mm. nope and it is a live unscripted networking event so uh, enter at your own risk yep and stay as long as you like. You um, but the the reason Amanda and I started this podcast was to bring about mental health awareness that veterans face every day, no matter what you did while you were serving. And also the fact that 22 veterans killing themselves a day is an unacceptable number. 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers.